Oh, this is new. Somewhat new, right? <laughs> You're just full of surprises. <laughs> I feel like uh, we're about to get some like bad news, like we're a doctor on a soap opera. It's kind of dramatic and sad, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's not what we're going for, right? Oh, there this it is. is the study pipe. Welcome back. It's been somewhat of a break in between the last episode and this one. I'm Zach and you are? I am Andrew last time I checked and we are here to welcome you to this discussion of movies and reviews of movies and reviews of movies that we just saw. And yeah, most we're importantly, fresh, fresh off the, what is it? Oh, we're fresh off the flash. That's what it is. Fresh off the flash. Directed by Andy, are you going to take a guess how to say his last name? <laughs> Muschietti? Muschietti, that is, that's correct. <laughs> that's the, is that the first one I've gotten right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Denny, you you aren't kind of Denny. No, I, Andy, I, you told me how to do it. I got it wrong <laughs> the second time. Yeah, but that's fair. Wait, 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 wait. let me try it again. He's French, goddammit. <laughs> Denny, Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I was so close this time. <laughs> so we got Andy Muschietti in the director's seat of DC's newest movie in the DCEU, soon to be blown the hell up into smithereens by James Gunn. Um, what is this, 13th installment in DC's universe? <laughs> it, it feels like... Like it's the four, like the fourth movie and the fortieth at the same time. Like I don't know it how feels they did like it. <laughs> the second movie I actually enjoyed <laughs> in the DCEU. Well, what was the first one that you enjoyed? You know, damn. All right, let's think about this. Um, I liked Aquaman. I guess. Oh, you know, oh. I liked Aquaman. Man, I don't know. Aquaman was hard. It's. Can you enjoy a movie and not like it? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think you can enjoy something for what it is, but have had greater hopes and ambitions for it that simultaneously, you know, it lets you down. <laughs> I, I think of anime like I think of anime, where there's anime I like, but I'll never like recommend an anime to a person unless I knew they liked anime. Like I would never let that side of me out. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know. DCEU, man, that. You know, our media specialist, Jordan, is probably, you know, going to be livid here in this. But, you know, Man of Steel, I thought was all right. You know, I wasn't when it came out as I enjoyed it for what it was, but it didn't like knock my socks off. Justice League flicks weren't it didn't do it for me. Even Zack Snyder's cut of it, you know, better, but still not really delivering on you know the film i wanted it to be and really any of these films but i I really the flash um it's my favorite they've made so far and it's kind of sad because it's my favorite they made so far but also the end of this chapter i guess and maybe it doesn't even matter or maybe it does that you know that's a great way to put it and you know, I guess we, we really did discuss it beforehand. Do we want this to be a spoiler review or do we want to like no get spoilers? No, like no spoilers. Or like well, maybe through? maybe in the second half. We're winging it. 
right, ladies got, and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, you got seven minutes and 39 seconds <laughs> to get the non-spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true with our track record. Um, but no, I mean, at a high level, 13th entry, the last, I guess, before the changing of the guard with James Gunn coming in as head of DC. It's directed by Andy Muschietti, who... Um, you know, I'm a big horror fan, as I've mentioned before. He did an awesome job with the film Mama. I think he also wrote Mama, if I'm not mistaken. Um, directed both volumes or chapters of the It movies that were remade. I thought he killed it. And, you know, um, spoiler, but not really, just uh, kind of an indication of how well this film was made or, or how good it is. In my opinion, he is actually going to direct the Batman flick. Now it was, yeah. announced. you know, he, this was, this was impressive. And, uh, you know, we, we always make sure, you know, to those of you that are listening that we, we don't talk about what we think about the movie beforehand. We, we see the movie right after work on a Thursday and we just come in raw. Like this is fresh. Neither of us know what like, the other person thinks. And so just keep that in mind as we're talking about this. Yeah, I have no idea where Andrew's going to go. And I mean, I think there was an initial indication, at least for me, as we're, we're getting prepped for the, the episode, uh, potentially how you felt leaving the movie, but certainly not getting into the details, not discussing oh. any plot or even some of the surprise things that are in here that I flagged that, you know, for Kevin Smith fans that are out there, there is a huge nod, a tip of the hat that I thought was super badass. That that is true. So I just want to point out that uh, I could be a, a saboteur with uh, what I told you my response was. You could, yeah, that and is true. You, and if you think I read your notes, you are sorely mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no. No, no, I think I think uh, I think this film was done well. Andy did a good job. Me and him are on a first name, you know, basis because <laughs> yeah. he made horror movies that I love. Yeah, it was uh, Andy or Andrew. I think they're just good. They're good people. Yeah, that's right. Andy's Andrews. I, I think I like Andy's should, more than Andrews. Yeah, should, I, should I go by Andy? Should I change it up? No, you should not. No, I will never call you Andy. I'm sorry. I refuse. No, no, don't don't call me Andy. It's That's almost right. like P. Diddy when he went from Puff Daddy to P. Diddy to Diddy to whatever <laughs> the hell he's called now. I refuse. You, you know, with like all the moving around I did as a kid, I have different groups of people that call me like by different versions of Andrew. Hmm. And then like oddly enough, like people I date, they call me Drew. So I don't know why. Drew. Hmm. Yeah. I like Drew. Drew's all right. Yeah, Drew's not bad. But we're not dating, so. Yeah, that's true. We could change that, though, if we really wanted to. We could. Andy could go by Drew Muschietti, but Andy <laughs> Muschietti sounds better. There's the, it, the Andy Muschietti, you know. I, it, I, it respect, goes. I respect anyone with uh, that's named Andy or Andrew with an Italian last name. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my last name is Ciccarelli. That's his government name. So I got my gov- government name revealed what two episodes ago, maybe yeah, that's like true. That. And both of you have both of us have very uncommon names, so yeah, that's right. You, you can, can find my, my socials one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, mine's eight, six, three, two. 
Um, let me check that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, I got a credit alert. Someone's opening a credit card. In my I'm name. quick. I'm quick. Uh, so Andy Muschietti, I think he did a great job. He's, you know, directed this film, directed horror films before this. Looks like he's now making a huge pivot into big budget blockbusters. He's going to be up for the next Batman movie, which is not Robert Pattinson. It's not uh, Michael Keaton and all, you know, any of these yeah. people. It will be a new Batman that I think James Gunn is going to cast, right? It Or it could be a name that we're going to drop in four minutes and 10 seconds. <laughs> Are there any rumors of who it could be already? Did you stay for the after credits? I did. Hmm. So those of you that want the spoilers of our, or have already seen it, make sure you stick around till we were done talking about the non-spoiler part. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh there is an after credit scene. There's only one and you do have to wait through the whole thing. That is true. And the spoiler so, that we're talking about is not the after credit, or maybe it is, but we're going to do a little uh, misdirection for those of you that don't want to be spoiled. Try to keep you on your toes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that, that, good idea. Um, okay, so $200, $220 million budget. That's a fat budget for a film. And, you know, for $220 million, you would think that they might have uh, – had enough money to finish the CGI, which definitely was not finished. That's the only, you know, the story was good. And we'll get into that. But the, you know, right out the gate, the first criticism I have on this flick is the CGI. It was very, um, I had to actually stop, you know, during the film and thinking to myself, like, is this intentionally trying to look like a video game, like, cinematic cut scene or is this the best they could do or you know james gunn came in and now they're like hey sorry your cgi budget is halved or whatever but it there were some moments that were bad even like well i shouldn't say even especially when uh double barry was on the screen i could see like you know they're digitally imposing his face ezra miller you know, on to this body double because, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you could tell when they were doing the digitally opposed and you could tell when they were filming it twice, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was weird enough to like make me notice and kind of take me out of it. But overall, um, I thought, you know, it, it was a good film. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into that in a little more detail, but yeah. I liked it. Where'd you fall on it? Where did I fall? So, and so here's what I say: if if I didn't know what I knew about the DC universe and how they're resetting it, and if I didn't suspect that the CGI budget was probably just cut off when they decided to just blow up the whole universe, I would be a little bit harder on it, you know. Um, but th there's a part of me that respects the directors too much, and if they don't have the budget to finish their vision or the budget they were promised that I'm, I'm not going to knock it as hard as if they like, if it was a movie that had the full back end of the studio and that was their finished product and they were happy with it, it would, uh, the visuals would have taken me out a lot more, but I was a lot more forgiving if that makes sense. Yeah. So, makes... Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if, uh, 
you know, if we're doing our, our study pipe grade on it and there's a five puffs would be a perfect film that could even be achieved. Uh, and an average film would be three puffs. I'm going to give this one four puffs. Oh, and, okay. Four. Damn. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I really liked it. There's a lot that goes on in this movie. There's a lot of different set pieces. There's a lot of different, um, you know, timelines. I don't think that's a spoiler so much. You see in the trailer that there's two berries. There's a lot going on and there's a lot to manage. And keeping that in mind, I'm, I'm very impressed with how they're able to wrap everything up and the risks that they're taking with the type of character development. There's certain things that happen in this movie that you would not expect in a typical like Marvel film or even a DC film. They, they're, it was a pretty brave film, I would say. You know, I'd interject and kind of build on that. So first off, I give it three puffs. I thought it was good, um, not great. It was the best DC movie, I think, in in my opinion. I liked it more than all the others. This one was really funny. They had <laughs> yeah, some good Eric Stoltz. Oh. <laughs> Eric Stoltz. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll get into that. All right, hilarious. So, yeah, this is a minor spoiler, but it's not plot point spoiler. You you already know that they're that the timeline's changed. Everyone knows that Michael Keaton's back. That's not a spoiler. Yeah, Keaton's back as Batman. You see him in the trailer. Barry is he travels back in time to try to save his mother from dying. That's the major plot device of this film. When he goes back into time, I think you can gather all this from the trailers. It's pretty yeah. explicit. You know, he goes back in time to save his mother and in doing so he creates, you know, multiple timelines, this multiverse and in the, the, the universe or the, the reality he's in where he meets, you know, his slightly younger self, the other Barry in that one, Michael J. Fox is not Marty McFly in the back to the future movie. So they, (laughs) they nod, you know, they pay respect to the the time travel component of the film by, you know, nodding to Back to the Future. And it's really, and, and for those movie buffs out there, people who exactly. really are down and pay attention to, you know, filmmaking and all this, Eric Stoltz was originally considered for the role of M- Marty McFly. So, you know, let me interject here. Yeah, of course. What I think this movie did for Easter eggs. I think this evolved. This is meta Easter eggs. Meta. This is, this is the first evolution I've seen. Like I've seen in Easter eggs in a long time. This is the best use of Easter eggs. I've probably ever seen this. Is, it took an Easter egg and it made an Easter egg. Like it's, these are the nested Russian dolls that are Easter eggs. Now. Yeah. And it's not like star Wars where it's like, you know, you know, you're like touching your nose. You're like, oh, you know who Obi Wan is? No, this is like this. This guy, this the script, this director. They're like, we're making this Easter egg for people that are deep into film lore, that they know their stuff, and they yeah, spent and- some of this stuff. They spent a lot of money on things that you'd only know if you might have watched like a panel interview on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, like that's I, I that that is. Some, I, I've been so tired of Easter eggs lately. Like you know, it's just fan service. And maybe this is like feeding into this like part of me that's like hipster and you know falsely thinks I'm 
I know movies more than I do. <laughs> like, but whatever this is, it's fed into that Easter egg thing that I haven't felt in a long time. It is yeah. great. Amen. I second that. And and just to kind of drive the point home, what this movie does, you know, we see in, you know, the Spider-Man flicks, the newest ones, this multiverse, we see it in Marvel. We we see these concepts in films right now, contemporary blockbusters and cinema, but Something that is interesting in this film that they did is they took all of these things, like these these things we've heard over the years about filmmaking and stories and about this, you know, oh, you know, if Burt Reynolds was Indiana Jones <laughs> yeah. rather than, or Tom Selleck, you know, yeah, instead exactly, of yeah. Harrison Ford, that kind of thing, they make the reality in this film. So. Yeah, you know, (laughs) Eric Stoltz, we all know. I mean, people who love Back to the Future, they have all heard the story at some point that Eric Stoltz could have been Marty McFly. Well, he is Marty McFly in this universe. Well, there's (laughs) a lot of other like Hollywood movie production what ifs that are reality as Easter eggs in this film. And it's super badass. It's super cool it made me stop and laugh out loud like multiple times. I don't really laugh out loud during films that often, you know, not superhero films. Did you find, so maybe you were in a a more knowledgeable um, audience than I was. My my theater was packed and, you know, I went and saw it with a mutual friend of ours, Corbin. And we were, we were the only ones laughing at some of these references. I, I think some of this flew over people's heads. Yeah, probably did. I mean, there were some some giggles here and there, but I definitely there were moments where I was <laughs> laughing and I was the only one laughing. Oh yeah, it you know, and of course, anyone that's listening to this podcast, you you already know all these things. So yeah, that's right, <laughs> that's right. So okay, before we spoil any of that, <laughs> I want to spoil it so bad. <laughs> me too, and it's so good. Um, three puffs for me of smoke out of five. Go see it though. It's it's cool if you like superhero movies and you know, especially if you've been kind of casually following what DC is doing, go see it. It's super cool. You know, Barry travels back in time to save his mother, creates all these unintended consequences that are really interesting. They play out really interesting, like we're talking. These Easter eggs are in there. And there's also a, a very real you know, nod to all of the different DC actors who have taken on the role of Batman, Superman, that they pay respect to in this. So that was cool. And overall, the story, I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, the emotional core of the film is the loss of, uh, you know, Barry's mother. Uh, And, you know, ultimately... I think, you know, the message I took away from the film is sometimes you just have to accept loss and like appreciate kind of where you're at in life and appreciate the things you had. There are some things you can't change. You just have to accept and and move past. Exactly. And, you know, um, before we get into the spoiler side, very well said. That's that's actually very well said. You, You took some of the words out of my mouth. So fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no uh i you know so i'm not gonna add, i'm not gonna add on to that i'm gonna leave that as it is because I, I like what you said 
I do want to say a few things. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of Flash stories out there. And, you know, some of the beats might be the same as what you've seen before. But I promise you, the way that they approach the beats, the way that they approach the different like aspects of the multiverse and things like that, it's fresh. It's new. Some of the CGI is bad. But they, you know, they took their shot and I respect the hell out of that. So, you know, don't come out of it being like, oh, you know, I watched the eight seasons of the CW Flash and some of these beats were the same. If you really like sit down and think about it, it's not. This movie has some really hardcore elements that you don't see in a blockbuster comic book movie these days. You just don't. And you'll understand after you watch it. Yeah, well said. I think they pushed um, pushed it quite a bit. And I really enjoyed their use of the word dick. They dropped it <laughs> in multiple spots throughout the film that I thought was great. What was it? How did they say it again? I was laughing. What was um, the phrase? What was the phrase? Which one? Uh, no, uh, what, one of the things that uh, – fuck. We'll save it for a spoiler part. <laughs> well, the, the, the big thing, like kind of piggybacking off like the humor and the use of curse words throughout the film, which were well-placed, um, is the younger Barry in the, the alternate timeline – I loved him. He was hilarious. He was like a beach oh. bum, like hippie kind of yeah, he, personality. So a not, lot of comedy. Yeah, Ezra Miller, you know, maybe he can act, man. Holy shit. Oh yeah, no, no, that like range, range. He, he sold this entire movie. Like yeah. no joke. No joke. I didn't and really I, I wasn't impressed before this. And I, I'm thank you for bringing that up because we would have jumped into spoilers and I'd have forgot to really kind of harp on that for for folks who are contemplating, you know, seeing it. He really was like neurotic as the normal Barry, the, the, the timeline we're introduced <laughs> yeah. to in the beginning, very quirky and weird and played it so well. And then he's playing opposite of himself, obviously. And that version of Barry was totally opposite. It was so laid back and like funny. And they it, felt like two different people. Like he it, sold oh, that. Exactly. And he like, what's weird and oh man, and I, you know, I know he's been accused of starting a cult. I don't really know much about all that kind Maybe of stuff. Maybe that's why, man. Maybe he's charisma. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to like. I don't want to like you know say some stuff and be like, oh, you know, I still want to see Ezra Miller movies and find out he did some really horrible shit because I'm not researched on it. I don't know what really what he's done. To be honest, there. Yeah, so, neither do so, I. So this is but, all. Judging from a professional acting <laughs> viewpoint, he, he, he not a personal. It. He killed it. He did a great job. Yeah, and he's he's he rode that line where his character, the one he's playing against himself, the one that you haven't seen, is so outlandish and over the top, but at the same time, is reserved enough that it feels like a real person. Yeah, like he yep. never crosses that line. Like yep. I, he he like it was like if he was a surfer riding the perfect waves. I was so impressed. Now before we hit spoilers, there's one other person we have to tip our hat to and talk oh. about for for those who oh are going into it. It's Michael Keaton, man. Yes, 
Michael Keaton killed it. He back as Batman. I was like, hell yeah. Oh man. He, you could see how much he's grown as an actor since that first Batman. He was amazing. 1992 folks was the last time he was Batman. 1992. It's been 31 years. Oh, there's so much. All right. I'm going to give Michael Keaton a nine out of 10. I'm going to save that 10 for like special spots. And if I had to give it a puff, I'm going to give it a 4.4 puffs out of five. Oh, it might, if I'm just like, how well did Michael Keaton do and how like happy am I with him? And five out of five, he, that he did I'm, everything. Yeah, I'm I happy five out of five. five. I'm, when I'm thinking like five, I'm giving that to like five people ever. Like I'm going to be I that. I mean, I respect that. But for those listening, if you are like, oh, Michael Keaton's back, like, I wonder what that's like. It was cool, man. He was super, like, it. he was in it. He it was vibing. And it wasn't like it was forced. It worked so well. It worked so well. Yeah, and it was cool to see him, you know, when they introduce him and then see him kind of progress in the movie. There's one thing also I want to say you had mentioned there's a lot going on in this film. They could have easily made this a two or three film, you know, trilogy or, 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 you know, there's a lot, they, a lot of beats that they hit. This film should have been a fuck up. Let's be honest. There's so much going on. This film should not have worked as well as it did. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, uh, as we're recording right now, this is 67% of Rotten Tomatoes. I'm just going to say this. Fuck the critics. If you yeah, see with two two hundred reviews, over two hundred. Yeah, right? you're going to enjoy this movie. Like, if a critic's job is to convey to their audience whether or not they're going to enjoy a movie or not, what you know, going back to Roger Ebert, who I still think is like the goat for fucking movie critics. These critics are failing. This is a movie that people are going to enjoy. When I was, you know, when I left the movie theater and people were walking out, everyone was happy. So sixty seven percent. Fuck Audience off. score on tomatoes is what eighty eight. Oh yeah, and oh. you know, there's a lot of people that uh, eighty eight, considering all the uh, bad propaganda, deserved or not, with Ezra Miller, that's amazing. <laughs> like this, this movie really should not is. have worked. It should not have worked. It did. There, like the CGI budget obviously wasn't finished, and the movie was still good enough to overcome that. Yeah. Yeah, even with the shitty CGI, I was still like, this is dope. I'm like, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm, I'm following along and I'm invested. <laughs> yeah, like, it, usually that takes me out of the movie, but I, like, for whatever reason, I was just like, ah, oh, you know what? This is okay. I'm okay with this. It's because, it, I mean, it was interesting. So, okay. We're going to get into why it's interesting. Spoilers are going to start right now, right here. If you're listening and you want to wait, or you want to go into it with you know no spoilers, hit pause, catch the next episode, come back, whatever you got to do. Here's the line we yeah, are drawing. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, there it is. There it is. So now it's spoiler time. If you're here, then you know that the DC and Marvel officially crossed over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, the Hulk appeared and killed General Zod, ripped him in half. <laughs> Oh, and on Zod, so it was cool to see him as the big bad again. And he was, like, way more bad and, like, indestructible in this film than in any of the other films. Yeah. 
yeah. Uh, all right. So, so we're going to, uh, I totally agree. Um, and give the, give a, a high level synopsis, hit the beats. I'll yeah, interject exactly. Exactly. if you're missing anything. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So you're the spoilers though. So you've been warned. And if you haven't seen the movie, then you already know it's coming. So th- this movie, it, you know, you start off with your, your falling Barry, obviously it's his movie. And you start off seeing him basically, you know, he has to eat because he runs so fast, you know, so he's always hungry. And you're dropped right into a morning where he's trying to get breakfast and he has to go save uh, this hospital that's collapsing because Batman is chasing these people with this uh, new massive pandemic level virus that's been created in the lab. And you're given, you know, this is the first time that you're going to see this really bad CGI that we're talking about because the wing is collapsing and it's a maternity ward and all of these babies are falling out of the window and they look like that fucking, that old Super Bowl like CGI baby that was dancing, like that kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like bad. It's, it's bad. But it's also kind of hardcore because you have all these babies falling out of a window and it's not like he just quickly goes and captures them all. He stuffs a baby in a microwave. <laughs> he stuffs a baby in a microwave to to stop it from being blown up. And before he even tries to save the babies, he's low on energy. Like he's running out of speed. So the babies are just falling faster and faster to her death. Like this movie hangs a long time on this idea that if the Flash doesn't do something, all these babies are going to splatter on the ground. Like that's fucking that's rough. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard to that's hard to see. Like even though you know that he's going to do it, like they're not gonna let these babies die. It's there's a lot of tension in there. And you know, like we said, uh he gets called to this uh the situation before he can eat his breakfast. He's critically low on calories. So he can't run fast. And he sees this vending machine that's falling out of the collapsing building. Instead of going to save the babies right away, he goes to the vending machine and just starts mowing down on all this food. So you get this montage of the Flash flying through the air, jumping off of different objects to get different food that's just falling out of the sky. <clears throat> and it works. Yeah, he does it. Like, he saves them all. He does. And it, it's it's cheesy, but it works really well. Yeah, he it works well. You know, you're introduced to the the fact that, you know, he has to eat a a ton of food to really, you know, do what he needs to do. And I think quickly after that scene, he joins forces with um, Wonder Woman who makes a brief appearance. Oh, yeah. And and Batman, Batman, of course. Ben Affleck, Batman. And he has, that's the, it's one of the best, best comedy lines that you've heard from Batman ever. Because Wonder Woman basically comes in at the last second and saves Batman, who is holding the guy that stole the virus that we just talked about. And they're dangling it over a bridge. And she lasses both of them, pulls them off the bridge. And this entire time, you're, like, you're being told by Alfred over an intercom that if that virus falls in the ocean, like, you know, 50% of Gotham's going to be dead. Yeah, it's game over if it falls. And so Wonder Woman comes at the last second and saves him. And she's got Batman lassoed still and all of a sudden batman's like (laughs) well she compliments him right so the lasso of truth is on batman and wonder woman 
gives him a compliment or, or something and and he's like my ego will not allow for me to, to acknowledge <laughs> yeah. this and say thank you. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what the hell is he saying? And then the camera pans down and you see the lasso of truth is on him. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Exactly. And the flash, you know, it's on the flash. And he's wait, like. Wait, wait, wait. Before that, the best line from Batman <laughs> ever where he's like, he's looking down. He's got the lasso on him. And he's like, I overcompensate for my parents' death. I have yeah. all that wealth. And if I really wanted to save Gotham, I would be more charitable because any poverty is the best way to solve crime. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> but you know, the lasso is on the Flash, and he says something to the effect of like, "I know what sex is, but I've never had sex before." Like, <laughs> yeah. And he's all, and then he's like, "Oh my god, I'm," he's like flustered, taking the lasso <laughs> off. It's pretty funny. It made me laugh. Which, which um, actually, like. Let's go back to, uh, you know, the first Justice League where, you know, he falls on Wonder Woman and they have that awkward scene where it's like faces in her boobs. Yeah, exactly. It's not awkward like that because it's actually a setup for the next act of the film. Yeah. This film this film isn't like the, your traditional like three acts. There's like five or six acts really. Like there's Yeah, a there's lot, a lot going on. Yeah, it's, it's not a traditional film. And, uh, man, I'm losing my geek status here. What is uh, – what is the girl, like his love interest in the comics name again? Oh, God. What's her name? Uh, oh, uh, Iris West. Yeah, there you go. And uh, so it, it's really like a setup that the Flash is uh, it's reminding you. This joke reminds you that the Flash is awkward. He has no social skills. He's still a virgin. He's never been with a woman. <laughs> like, it's, it's not just there for a laugh because it immediately drags you into – the next kind of mini act where uh, you, you see that Barry is still trying to free his father. He's still caught up on his father being falsely accused of murdering his mother. Yeah. So ju just to back it up a little bit, you know, the beginning is this action set piece where the flash is helping save the day and he's not really getting the, the credit and appreciation that Batman and Wonder Woman get. Yeah. He's, and, kind, of a, know, he's kind of a janitor. Yeah. That's how, you know, that's how he describes himself. He's there to do the cleanup. And then uh, after that action set piece, it transitions into, you know, the, the Flash's love interest kind of touching base with him on his father's ongoing trial, his father's on trial for murdering his mother. And yeah, his she's mother a, she's a know, journalist. died from a, a break in. Someone broke into the home, killed her while her dad was out at the grocery store picking up some food. And um, the police accused the father of doing it. So the Flash's main mission, I guess, in this film before he travels back in time is really trying to get evidence into the record that will, you know, prove his father's innocence. So well, he's I guess very stressed out. He, you know, he lost his mother. He's about to lose his father to the you know, justice system. He makes a comment about the justice system failing him, you know, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And that's kind of like his, that's kind of like the, the catalyst of his whole story is, uh, when he's talking to Iris, right. He's, uh, I don't think, I don't think Barry, the, the film recognizes that Barry didn't have great development and, you know, in the justice league and how he's featured. So, 
he kind of comes to this realization when Iris, who's she's a reporter, she's reporting on his father's conviction, like his appeal. And you don't really know if she's trying to get a scoop on him or if she's actually interested in him. They have a history where they, you know, they're classmates in college and it seems like there's, you know, some romantic chemistry that never got fulfilled back then. So Barry's in the state of like, not knowing if he can trust her, like if she's just trying to make a news story on his father or if she is actually someone that might like him. And he's so insecure that he's 99% acting in a way that she's just trying to get a scoop on him. But she comes over to his apartment and it's the night before his father's appeal. And she, you know, is talking to him and she's asking him why he works in a crime lab and why he's so passionate about working in a crime lab and suggest to him that, you know, maybe the justice system failed him and that's why he is so passionate. And that spurs him to realize that he does work in the justice, you know, he does work in the crime lab to try to fix the broken justice system. It's almost like he hadn't realized that was driving him before. And at that moment, he realizes that he can run so fast because of the Justice League movie that he can go back in time that maybe he can go back in time and fix you know, his mom dying and fix his father being falsely accused of murder. Yeah, and just fix his whole life, you know, have his parents and all this. and Yeah, and, and, and most importantly, he suggests he can fix everything. But Batman, Ben Affleck, Batfleck, he tells him, don't do it. Don't go back in time. You butterfly effect. Like it will, you won't be able to do it. You will not be able to, to do it right. I mean, you will destroy and change things for the worse, you know? Yeah. um, His, uh, his love interest, she comes over to talk to him and there's a nice comedic scene, you know, where he like quickly cleans up his dirty apartment and she comes in and like, you know, all the trash falls out everywhere because he's stuffed it in cabinets and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, He uses his flash powers to, she, she surprises him at his apartment and as they're walking up, he uses his flash powers to go and clean up his apartment. He stuffs everything in different closets and she comes in she's like, Oh, you're a lot tidier than I thought you would be. Yeah, then it's just <laughs> all the, the trash falls out. Yeah, it's, it's like the classic, classic like a vaudeville, like from the 1930s type stuff. Yeah, it's really funny. But you know, she, she makes a comment that triggers this idea in his mind that if he just goes back and does it very subtly, he can change the timeline for the better, and and there won't be any problem. And so he does. He He's like, hey, I got to go. And he leaves her in his house. He travels back in time. And, you know, he thinks he's he's good. He's there. His mom's alive. His dad's there. They have a happy home. He's having a meal with them. And then he sees, you know, the other Barry out in the <laughs> front yard. And he's like, I got to go. And he's like, I got to go take a shit. Remember? Yeah. He's like, I got to shit outside. Like, really? And he's like, I got to go shit outside. <laughs> yeah, I got to shit outside. It was pretty funny. And so he runs out there and he tackles or grabs the other Barry. And that's what opens up, I guess, the adventure, right? Where he's telling him, hey, I'm you from another timeline. I have powers. And this Barry doesn't. You know, the young Barry, younger Barry, does not have the the flash powers yet. And then 
you know, it just so happens that that day that he arrives, you know, there, he actually like coordinates getting younger Barry his powers, right? Yeah, so they, that, like, that, that's the day. It happens. It just happens to be that the day he because he he gets pushed into this timeline by some mysterious figure. Like he's in the Speed Force, and some he sees this purple guy that has electricity coming out of him, and he just pushes him through the speed force into this random time. And that's how he gets here. And it just happens to be the day that he originally got his powers. The day he got struck by lightning while working in the crime lab. Yeah. And so he, he realizes that takes young Barry who's like fully on board with like, wow, you got powers. You're super cool, dude. Like super, He's talking about tripping and whatnot too. Yeah, he's like, he's this like college a mushroom student. Fl- yeah, mushroom flashback. <laughs> yeah, he's like, is this a mushroom flashback? Oh my god! But uh, what happens is, with older Barry trying to get younger Barry his powers, he loses his powers. So you have like a novice Flash for the majority of the film, which makes it pretty funny, right? You have a yeah. Flash who's new to the game. The senior Flash is powerless and he's having to, you know, he's making jokes about like how slow he moves and all this stuff. And it was all done pretty well. Yeah, that, that was done well. And and uh, when I when he first lost his powers, and I kind of got the, the sense of that from the trailer. Like uh, they kind of hinted at that. There's a part of me that was like, man, am I going to have to watch like the rest of the film without like the Flash being able to be at like full power? Yeah. And I was dreading that for a second. Luckily, they they solved that pretty quickly. Yeah, it was it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it. I also like. Oh man, this is a trope. Like, I don't. I'm gonna have to sit yeah. through this, but it, it wasn't done poorly at all. It was cool, you know, because it was almost like a mentor teaching someone, and like he wasn't suffering for it. You know, we were you're put in these positions where because he doesn't have his powers, you're like, oh my God, it's so much more difficult than it needs to be. It was all done. It, it wasn't, yeah, it, it was like, it wasn't done as a trope. It was done because, you know, if he had his powers at that point, he would have just left. Yeah. So they keep him without powers just long enough to get to a point where he's emotionally motivated enough to continue the story. Yeah. And what he realizes pretty quick is uh, he's in a timeline where there's not, really well he thinks there's not really any meta humans any superheroes you know he's trying to find the cyborg he's trying to find aquaman and the reason he's trying to find these people they they see on the news that zod is invading so this is the day that zod and you know and man of steel invades earth and you know puts out that transmission that you're harboring, you know, this Kryptonian, deliver him to us, or, you know, we're going to destroy you, that kind of thing. And so Barry, older Barry's like, I know how this story goes. You know, in my timeline, Zod kills thousands, thousands of people, billions, you know, whatever. And yeah, I, we need to stop this. Oh, yeah. And that flashback he had where you find out that, you know, because the Flash just got his powers just before Zod's invasion. He was still brand new. So he gets this heartbreaking flashback where the Flash is in um, Gotham City and he's trying to save people, but he doesn't really know how to use his powers yet. 
And if you remember the the terraforming machine, it's basically like anti-gravity where it just picks things up and just smashes it down. So the Flash is running in and can't use his powers really well yet. And he sees this kid and his father and the gravity machine just picks them both up. And the Flash is able to run and grab the kid. And the father's reaching out, trying to, you know, plead for his kid. And the Flash realizes that the gravity machine's about to smash them all back down again. And all he can do is cover the kid's eyes. Yeah, sit there and watch it happen. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was hardcore. Yeah, it was hardcore. And, you know, it was cool to know that the Flash was there that day trying to do stuff. Um but, you know, so that prompts, you know, older Barry to say, hey, this is a serious threat. Zod's here. We need to go get help from Superman. We need to find Superman. We need to find Batman, Aquaman. Basically, we need to get the Justice League together to stop this threat. Well, he finds out pretty quick that Cyborg's not a thing. Aquaman doesn't exist. He was never born. Wonder Woman, I don't know that they say exactly what her fate is, but she's not around, right? Yeah, she might still be, you know, she might, you know, she might never have uh, been discovered during World War II, you know? Yeah, so who who knows what she's up to? She's this old woman. All he finds is this old woman that's kind of doing like a burlesque striptease ad. Yeah, he goes on the internet and it's like Wonder Woman and it's some (laughs) like 1990s website. This old lady, it's pretty funny. And he, he's unable to find any records of uh, Superman, Clark yeah, Kent. Yeah, because there's tens of thousands of Clark Kents. Yeah, and, so it, the search comes down to trying to find Superman, because obviously he knows Superman, or so he thinks, is there because Zod's there asking for him. The other one that he realizes pretty quick exists is um, Batman. And it's funny because the group of friends that Barry has, his college friends, confirm that Batman is in this universe. And they're like, no one knows who Batman is. And one of the friends has, you know, they're talking, they're talking about Back to the Future and the Eric Stoltz thing comes (laughs) up. This guy, one of the friends has Eric Stoltz, his Marty McFly, tattooed on his leg and busts it out. And it's hilarious. And, and, Older Barry's like, no, Michael J. Fox is is Marty McFly. Like, well, what are you talking about? And what was funny is who they say Tom Cruise was in or as Maverick in Top Gun. Oh, it was um, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Kevin. So, see, these are all the little twists and turns. Eric Stoltz is Marty McFly in Back to the Future. In Top Gun, Kevin Bacon is... Maverick, and they yeah. said someone else too. Footloose. Who was in Footloose? Oh, uh, that was that was uh, oh, fucking uh, Michael J. Fox. Oh, that's right. Because then he's like Kevin Bacon. They're like, what the guy who's in that movie with Jets playing volleyball? Yeah. So Michael J. Fox was in Footloose, and Kevin Bacon was in Top Gun in this universe, which is pretty funny. It was. It was a good use of uh, of, of movie kind of humor trivia all mixed in, but oh yeah, no, yeah the uh, and I want to go back and see if like if any of those castings were if the, if that was just like randomly made up or if uh, 
you know, Michael J. Fox was in the running for Footloose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I was thinking the same thing because, you know, Eric Stoltz was obviously we talked about that, but <laughs> yeah. was Michael J. Fox in the running or even, you know, Kevin Bacon for Top Gun. Was he in the running? Exactly. Like, and there's enough references like later on in the movie that are such deep cuts that I wouldn't be surprised if that really was the case. Yeah. So they know Batman is in the universe. So, you know, Barry, older Barry's like, we're going to Wayne Manor. We need to find Batman. We need his help. They get there and they discover like a recluse, old, beat up Batman who looks like almost like the dude from the Big Lebowski vibes. Um, And it's Michael Keaton and he's he's kind of fighting them off as home intruders, you know. But yeah. they convince he, him. He he looks like a beach bump. Yeah, he looks like the dude from the Big Lebowski, like straight yeah, up. Exactly. And they convince him though. They they tell him, like, hey, you know, I'm from the future. I traveled back in time, and Michael Keaton's Batman explains the multiverse using spaghetti, which was pretty pretty cool. Um Yeah, and I wanna I really want to kind of emphasize on this. I love that in this universe that this Batman has a much better understanding of everything. He was super smart. Michael Keaton's Batman was like super intelligent because you know, Batfleck, he, he kind of understood time and space, but he didn't know about the multiverse, but Michael Keaton's Batman knew about the multiverse. Yeah. He was all about it. Yeah. And they, they never explained where he got this knowledge from and you definitely never see it in the movies, but this was something that was just, it, it was like readily available to him, if that makes sense. Yeah. So he's initially hesitant. He doesn't really want to help. So they break in the bat cave and use Batman's, you know, ability to like hack into NASA and all these organizations to try to locate Clark Kent. And what they find ultimately is the Soviets have a subject, you know, Supergirl, Locked up in Siberia. And, yeah, and, um, and the Soviet Union still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Michael Keaton's Batman is like, all right, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'll help you. He comes around. Yeah, and it, you find out that he's uh, he knows they're in the Batcave, and he's watching him through a camera. And Barry kind of just takes a shot in the dark, and he's like, I know that your trauma is that you lost your parents. Like he's starting to understand that there's these, you know, they're fate might be a big thing in this universe and kind of like in uh you know it, those of you that saw the spider-man movie that there's these canon events that are just going to take place for every batman or every barry every flash you know yeah there's always an uncle ben you know there's always these kinds of things that occur that no matter what you have to accept which you know was the earlier comment i made about my takeaway on the film is some things you can't change. Some exactly, things you yeah. have to accept. But you didn't know that was a spoiler until now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it pays to stay tuned. Right? It does. So Michael Keaton whips out the bat plane, whatever the hell it's called. It's super badass. And they haul ass to Siberia where they think they're going to find Clark Kent, but they find Supergirl and they unleash her and, um, she 
she was cool. You know, she she wasn't as big of a role as I th- had thought from the trailers, but I liked her her character arc. It seemed though that she's destined to die in this timeline or, or yeah, which which was it. a you know when when they made the Flash, they didn't know the DC universe was going to end and that James Gunn was going to take over. And this film introduced a very I really liked her as Superwoman. Like I was very moved by her character. Yeah, she was cool, and she had a really big emotional reaction to the situation that was happening. That was different than Clark Kent, you know, Kal El when in the original Superman movie that uh, Zack Snyder made. It was, it was really powerful. Um, you know, she was sent there to protect Superman as a baby, and there's no payoff. They just. In every iteration, she's dead. She dies in this universe. Um, you know, gets taken over by Zod. Yeah, and they try to like change it. They try to save her, and basically, the movie culminates with Supergirl being convinced to kind of join the fight and stopping Zod from invading the planet. Batman's there. The two flashes. Supergirl, they got their own version of a Justice League, and they go to battle against Zod, who, like I said earlier, is a badass, like indestructible. Yeah. They don't they don't kill Zod in this at all. You know, the no. timeline is Zod wins, he gets Supergirl's DNA to be able to basically take over the earth and terraform it into Krypton. Yeah, so yeah. They don't find uh I mean, really, like the entire last act of the film is that they really do not find a single you know, instance where they win. There is no Doctor Strange coming in being like, "Oh, we have a one out of this infinite." There's, there's no universe where they win. Yeah, no. And and the point, you know, the movie is they have to accept the failure in this timeline. But what happens at the end of the film is young Barry, young Flash, is trying so hard to find a way to defeat Zod and prevent this from happening that he actually creates this like inflection point in the multiverse and starts like destroying and pulling in all these different universes, all these different variants. And that's when you get to see some of these badass cameos. Yeah. And, and uh, so that, that original figure that you saw that was uh, that, that pushed uh, Barry through into this timeline turned out to be an older version of the young Barry. Yeah, going through millions of iterations of trying to stop Zod in this timeline. You know, he's traveling back in time. Let me try this. Back in time. Let me try that. And it has taken him years. He's aged to like a 60-year-old version of the Flash trying to make this happen. And um, he's like the ultimate bad. Yeah, he's basically saying like, no matter what I do, you know, this universe fails and you go back in time and undo what you did that let your mom live. And then I'm still running around here and I always go back to the time where you come through into this multiverse and I push you through to that timeline to create me. We've been in this infinite loop forever. Like you just, it always goes this way. And he's convinced that he's so close to a solution, but you can tell that that's just insanity. That he's he's probably always felt close. Yeah, 
And, you know, I this is like the last 10 minutes of the film, so I don't want to spoil the exact ending. But during this battle, this time travel battle, the cameos, that's what yeah. I want to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, I think we finally get Nicolas Cage as the Man of Steel. <laughs> yes. yes, we, we got him. Nick Cage, Nicolas Cage, National Treasure, Raising Arizona, face of Nicolas Cage as <laughs> Superman. And for those of you who are uninitiated, Nicolas Cage was tied to an actual Superman movie written by Kevin Smith to be directed by Tim Burton. There was pre-production photos of him in a suit and the plot, go look it up. It's a hilarious, I guess, Hollywood insider behind the scenes story by Kevin Smith. But the plot revolved around Superman fighting a giant spider in the third act of the film. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And when you see Nicolas Cage as Superman, who is he fighting? He's fighting. They show him. So you can't see him at first. You just see a Superman with long hair and you're like, what? And he's fighting this big ass spider, and I knew immediately because I, yeah, I very. I was, I was no one else was laughing. I, I was, was laughing my it was a, ass. It was off. a deep cut. It was a deep cut. Yeah, it's so like, yeah, just a so awesome because I know the Kevin Smith story. He was brought on to write a Superman flick. The producer told him he had to put a, a giant spider in the third <laughs> act. Barbara, Barbara Streisand's hairdresser, who she propped up to become a producer. Yes, and it didn't work out, and he went on to put it in Wild Wild West with Will Smith. That's why yeah, he was a big exactly. mechanical spider in that movie. It, yeah. So it was hilarious. So I knew immediately, oh, my God, this is Nicolas Cage fighting this spider. Well, sure enough, you know, the camera pans around. He's fighting this big-ass spider, and you're getting a peek into this other universe, and boom, there's Nicolas Cage as – Superman in the outfit, the long hair, super badass. It was so cool to see him as Superman. It, exactly. And not only that, they showed in other universes, they made Adam West, uh, Batman, canon. They made um, George Reeves, Superman from way back in the day. You know, the old TV show, um, he made an appearance in these multiverses. You had uh, Cesar Romero's Joker. You can hear him laughing. Oh, and and there was was another extremely deep cut for, in in the the same vein of uh, Eric Stoltz. So you saw Christopher Reeves and Superwoman, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they show Christopher Reeve as Superman, which was awesome. Yes. And so Superman 3 was originally supposed to have, um, there was supposed to be, there was supposed to be uh, maybe a Superman 4. So don't disregard it. Either 3 or 4 was originally supposed to have Superwoman in it. And the actress was uh, the one that would go on to play the 1984 um, super, uh, super girl, and I think that was um Helen Slater or something. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And and so, but 
it was all go. And then Christopher Reeves, for whatever reason, just said, fuck that. It doesn't feel right. And so they nixed this entire fucking thing. And that movie never got made. And then, you know, Supergirl went on to be considered one of the worst films ever made. Yeah. But they're here together in this. They, this movie made like every other iteration of DC comic films canon, like in the multiverse. Like they made it canon, which was awesome. Like you even have the Golden Age Flash in that like black and white footage showing him with that like metal helmet and, you know, the bolt wings on it. That was super cool. Super cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. The cameos at the end are awesome. And definitely worth like seeing the movie just for that. And they're they're not, they're not these cheap Easter eggs. Like what we talked about originally. So a lot of these Easter eggs that you see now, they're just, they're less Easter eggs that, and maybe Easter eggs used to be like this. But these are less Easter eggs like you've seen recently, especially with the Star Wars, where they're more making like an overt reference to a major character that everyone knows, and they're trying to make everyone feel included, like they are, are in on the joke. You actually have to be someone that like deep dives into pop culture to get some of these references. And if you don't, you have to do some research. It, yeah, it, but I would say if you do the research and you do dive in, they're very rich and rewarding. Yes, they're they're not like they're not cheap at all. It's a be- like it is an evolution of Easter eggs. And the best for last we have saved. The movie ends, so Barry <laughs> yes. comes back on his way back to the the current timeline. He is able to help his father basically get off. And you know he he's he's innocent. He's proven innocent. Yeah, because, uh, back. because there, there's a you know this camera footage that in the, um, in the beginning of the film is uh, is choppy, and Batman gives him uh, this like AI edited uh, version of the vi- of the video, and you see that Barry's father never looked up at the camera. So even though he had an alibi, you can't tell it's him. You can't prove that he was actually at the store while the mother's murder was going on. And the only witness was a 10-year-old Barry who said he saw his father pulling up into the driveway when his mother was already stabbed. So, you know, Barry goes through this uh, entire, you know, timeline. He's able to reset everything, reset everything and and he makes one little change because it's in a future that he hasn't seen yet. And he just... It allows it so that basically his father has evidence to get off in the trial that hasn't come up yet, in the appeal that hasn't come up yet. Yeah, he saves his father, right? So he comes back. His father, you know, is innocent. Everything seems to be exactly back to the way it should be, the timeline. And Bruce Wayne calls him and he says, hey, you know, I'm pulling up. I'm happy that the trial worked out. You know, congrats. And you're like, okay, cool. You know, Ben Affleck, Batman about to pop out. And it shows him drive up and who steps out of the car, Andrew? George fucking Clooney. George fucking Clooney is <laughs> yes. Batman. Bat nipples. Yeah, bat nipples <laughs> and all. So he's Ben Affleck is out. George Clooney is in, baby. Exactly. He's ben. in. George Clooney is in. I, you know. 
<laughs> I I hope James Gunn has the fucking balls to use this as a reset point and have old man Batman be played by fucking George Clooney. That would, would be so would, badass. That is such a great opportunity. And it, it's this is a way to fucking turn a failure into a win in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously George Clooney's um bat what was it batman return or no batman and robin batman and robin's considered the worst yeah the worst batman but i when it was george clooney and it showed him i was like hell yeah man george <laughs> yeah. clooney i you know i love that movie as a kid my sister got that movie for me well, you on got, VHS. you got mr freeze in there with yeah, my boy oh, no i th- dude batman and robin was like my favorite movie i got a batman like a rubber like a really nice rubber batman mask when i was like 7 years old uh, I was fucking Batman for a year. No joke. Well, props, respect. But George Clooney, man, I did not expect that at all. So you had Michael Keaton in there. You had Affleck. You had George Clooney. You had you Adam had West. Adam and, West. Yeah. You had uh, Christopher Reeve as you know Superman. Um, um, I think I saw uh, what's his name from the the singer adaptation. Uh, Brandon Ruth, I think he was in there for for a second. Was he? I didn't. I didn't recognize him. You know, if he was, he yeah. looked so much like Christopher Reeves, I could have been mistaken. Mm, okay. Yeah, George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, um, Nick Cage. Yeah, it was awesome. Was, the, the Nicholas Cage was the best one. The best, easily yeah, the best. That, that's one where, like, there's this there's this YouTube video where Kevin Smith is just giving the story. About how he's being paid to rewrite the spider the the Superman script for the Superman Tim Burton movie that's never made. And if you don't watch this YouTube video, you don't know about the story. <laughs> and they spent so much money to make yeah, it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that, there was a full blown CGI like sequence of him <laughs> fighting the spider in like pretty good. I mean, it you could tell it was CGI, but like pretty good. And it's scene the, of Nick Cage as Superman. And it's at the emotional crux of the film, at the climax. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, we're throwing... It's not the, done for <laughs> humor at all. No. It's it, all serious. Like, all this shit you're seeing <laughs> at this point in the film is 100% serious. It's dramatic. It is not like, ah, Nick Cage, what the <laughs> It's, oh, shit, that's Nick Cage, man. He's beating the shit out of the spider. You know, like... <laughs> it, it, you know the CGI was bad, but oddly enough, he looked just as good as like the CGI de aging of like Carrie Fisher in Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It, go see it, people. I think that ends the spoiler review of the film, right? That's the end, pretty much. Yeah, I think this is the end. I think we cut it off here. Yeah, you got you go see it, people. You'll you'll yeah, enjoy it. You, you'll like this movie. Don't don't look at the critic reviews. I don't know what the fuck they're on. Well, I mean, sixty-seven percent's not bad, Andrew. That's that's fresh on Rodden. It is fresh, but like, but who cares about Rodden when you got three puffs of smoke from me and four that, from you, right? That's true. I just question who saw this movie and didn't enjoy it, and most importantly, who thought their readership wouldn't enjoy it? Because I, you know, there's like. The pretentious part of you that thinks a movie is good and what you hold good to yourself. But your critic, your job as a critic is to look at your audience and say, will you be happy that you spent money on this movie? Yeah. And I don't know anyone that's not that's going to be like, dude, fuck that movie. 
Yeah, you will not want a refund. It's a good use of a couple hours yeah. of, of your day. Like for sure. Go 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 check it out. Like go yeah. check it out. It's the strongest entry in DC in in a while. Exactly. I'm not even looking forward to Aquaman two. I'm just gonna pretend that movie doesn't exist. We'll have to see it because we'll of course. preview it, and of then I'm course. sure I'll, I'm sure I'll like it because I'm actually you know I talk about being fatigued for comic book movies, and then I go see them. I'm gonna I'm gonna see Blue Beetle too. Of course, <laughs> I just love movies, man. Even the shitty ones. I do too. Guess with that bad, being like, said, yeah. Do you have any parting remarks before we close this one out? I want to say thank you to Nicolas Cage because I'm sure you had to grant your likeness for that. That's the, the best, yeah, that's the fucking best cameo ever. <laughs> it was. It was great. I yeah. I really. I need to go find like interviews now or like yeah. articles with him commenting on that part you know, of this I, film. That like usually like movies kind of get spoiled like spoiled for me. Yeah, that was. I had no idea that was coming. That was so well hidden. Yeah, that was awesome. I had no idea. Are you, I, you know, what I think it was. I think that because if you didn't see that YouTube video, that one fucking like Comic Con panel, whatever it was, of Kevin Smith talking about one story, because he, he has a lot of stories on YouTube. Yeah, he does. I, I think that a lot of people just don't know about that story. I mean, that's going to change in two weeks. Everyone's going to know about that story. They're going to they're going to tell you that they knew about it the whole time. But yeah. No one was laughing in the theater. <laughs> so, no, no one was laughing. I, I was like, hell yeah, when they showed him. Yeah, I, was, I was laughing. I looked around. I was like, oh shit, I'm the only person Hashtag <laughs> my Superman. Yeah. I mean, that kid, bring, bring that bastard onto us. Maybe that should, maybe James Gunn is going to bring Nick Cage no, I, as his might, new Superman. If he went the route of like Nick Cage as old man Superman and brought back George Clooney, and he's like, you know, I'm doing the worst versions of these, so I'm going to make them good. I would give him, he would be the greatest. I would, <laughs> I, so for those of you who, who don't know, I talk shit about James Gunn all the time. And I love all the time. This would, if he had the balls to do that, make Nick Cage, Superman and George Clooney, Batman for a couple flicks or like even a flick primarily, that would be, and he did it well, which I think he could for sure. I would. Yeah, because I'd talk, kiss his feet. I'd be like, "All right, respect." You do. You talk shit about James Gunn, but I've never heard you say he's a bad filmmaker. No, he's not. He's not. And you know, there's a conspiracy theory that. Oh yeah, you said that to me. I love it. It's great. We should cover that on. An, yeah, on yeah. Let, let's uh, let's save that for the next one because I feel like that that needs a full deep dive. It was a really good yeah. one. Yeah, it's good. There's a whole conspiracy theory around. James Gunn and Guardians 3. Yeah, yeah, how he handled his exit from Marvel. And what he made Guardians yeah. 3 about. Yeah, a little bit of a secret fuck you that they yeah. couldn't get out of. We'll cover that, though. That's, yeah, we'll cover let's it. Let's build anticipation. All right, Andrew. For next time. That's the full smoke on The Flash. Yes, I love three it. Three and a half puffs out of out of five because I, yes. got, I gave it a three. You gave it a four. Average it out. Yeah, we we're harsh graders, too. So that's good. I think so. Yeah, three means it's good. Four means it's great. I saw so much ambition in this movie, and I saw so much studio meddling that I'm very impressed with how it turned out. It's way better than it should have been. I'm giving it a four. 
I'm not going to give a lot of films for. Just a heads up. Go see it. Go see it. Go see it. <laughs> Till next time. <laughs>